The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. I'll be your host for the hour. Today we're going to be talking about sustaining a nonprofit organization leading the way through the lens of an executive of color. So with us today joining uh, the show, we have actually my fabulous CEO and supervisor, Mr. Rudolph A. Johnson, president doing, of the Neighborhood House Association. Oh, thank you, Rudy. I just went right over you. <laughs> Not a problem. It's good to be here. Thanks for it, having me. It's wonderful to have you on the show, and I know this is a special time in the history of our organization. I think before we jump into our conversation, I'd love to have you say a little bit more about the Neighborhood House in general, and then also knowing that we were founded in 1914 as a settlement movement, perhaps you want to say a little bit more about that as well. Dr. G., thank you so much. Um, the Neighborhood House Association at its roots is a settlement house, and at the turn of last century, um, Jane Adams brought the concept to the Midwest, and it quickly spread to the East Coast of settlement houses setting up in neighborhoods and assisting the immigrant population that was transitioning to life here in America uh, to begin to work on basic life skills, you know, uh, job readiness skills, uh, early childhood uh, care, um, food pantries, uh, et cetera. And um, in the early 1900s, uh, Helen and Mary Marston of San Diego, California, um, actually studied under Jane Adams and brought that settlement house uh, movement and concept to the San Diego area and started the neighborhood house right in the Barrio Logan in 1914. So I'm proud to say that we are celebrating our centennial anniversary at this at this point in in time. Wow, and that's such a uh, fabulous accomplishment. What has been the formula to success with regards to the Neighborhood House Association keeping its doors open? Well, I think longevity and really having um, the depth and breadth uh, of service um, history in the in the area. Um, really spoke for itself and continues to speak for itself as I go around San Diego. Um, we run 12 programs. Uh, obviously, our Head Start program is our marquee program, but the 11 program uh, areas that we work in, uh, these are programs that we have a long, deep history in, everything from mental health to senior care to HIV, AIDS, case management, et cetera. We have over 25 years of experience 
in every one of those programs, 50 years of experience in the Head Start uh, program. So uh, when you look at longevity and depth and breadth of services, it really speaks for itself, and I think that is what sustains us year over year. Now the vision is, you know, how do we get to being around for the next 100-year um, anniversary? Wow, and any thoughts with regards to how you do that? Well, you know, number one, I'm a God-fearing man, so, you know, I always keep my spiritual side, um, you know, well-oiled, um, as I say. Um, I, I believe in a higher power. Um, it's not going to be one individual that does that, so it starts with a collective whole, and then working with the board of directors, um, setting a policy vision for this organization, and that policy vision is really establishing growth in certain program areas that we think are going to be needed into the future. As you're looking 5, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, charter school systems um, that will help us with that continuum of care from Head Start. We're looking at expanding on our mental health programs, expanding on our senior care programs, our adult day health care models, and really transitioning to um, an organization that is going to be ahead of the need curve um, in San Diego so that as we as a society get to a point to where there's a greater need in certain programmatic areas, we're already there ahead of the curve waiting to assist them. So that really is the vision, is getting ahead of that need and ensuring that we have the resources and we're viable enough to be there. Great. Mr. Johnson, can you say a little bit more? Because you talk about being ahead of the neat curve. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit on what, is, what do we do as an organization to keep our pulse on what's happening in the community around us? How do we know what those needs are? Well, you know, you're a great setup woman, Dr. G. Um, <laughs> obviously, you, you know we spend a lot of time doing what we call community needs assessment. And it's a tool that we use not just in Head Start, but we use for the plethora of programmatic services we provide. And, you know, it's our guiding light. It's our beacon that really allows us to be there for that community and really assess those areas of need. And although we do them year over year, we can forecast based on the information that we're getting and the history of that information, we can forecast what we think those critical needs are going to be out into the future. And so that, those are the tools we use. And, you know, let's keep in mind, we're, we're um, an agency of 700 employees working out 120 locations across the county. So we have a lot of bodies on the ground in the field, and we're constantly talking to our clients, constantly talking to our community partners, and so we have an underground assessment along with a community assessment tool to get in front of that need curve. Wonderful. So how does it feel for you to really be at the helm here with regards to managing this organization doing its centennial? Well, it, it, it truly is a blessing. You know, I have to go back to that spiritual piece. You know, I uh, myself am not just the president and CEO. I'm also a former client. In 1968, I went through this very same Head Start program that I'm now president and CEO of, and I have to believe it was a higher power that said, 
you know, we're going to clean this young guy up in 68. We're going to get him ready, give him a head start, send him off to college, send him to grad school, uh, give him a robust uh, professional portfolio, and then I need him back. This is the higher power talking. I need him back at the helm of this organization because we have a centennial anniversary to celebrate. And that's beyond me. It's bigger than me. And that's what gives me goosebumps. And I'm just fortunate to be here at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, for an organization as large and complex as the one that you have um, here at NHA, when we talk about it and when we opened, you talk about debt and breadth of experience and knowledge. Can you say a little bit more about maybe some of your life journey that has prepared you to um, take on this major role? Absolutely, Doc. And, you know, here's the part where I wish, you know, there were more young children listening to the radio station and maybe we have a young audience. I'm not, I'm not completely sure. I know we have a huge following. Mm-hmm. And, and that is, number one, you know, let me just say it's never where you start in life. It's always where you finish, you know. And, and that's so important for youngsters. I, I think we get caught up sometimes um, worried about where we come from. You know, a lot of us come from humble beginnings. Um, some of us come from single-parent households. Some of, some of us come from dysfunctional families. And you know what? At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Um, my journey was one of humble beginnings. Even though I had two parents in the household, we had very humble beginnings. Um, I'm a Head Start product. I'm a public school system product. I'm a free and reduced lunch product. I'm a black college product. Um, but I've, I've, I've sweated, I've worked hard, and I've tried to earn my way into a position like a president and CEO. And the other thing I, I say to people is that, you know, um, there was no lottery ticket that I bought to get here. You know, some people think, um, you know, I, I, I got here at age 40, happened to be a, a, an executive of color. You know, someone must have given him a lucky ticket to be the president. And, and, and nothing can be further from the truth. I earned my undergrad in um, civil engineering, which is one of the toughest undergrads to receive from a black college. I have a master's in public administration. I actually serve a council liaison to a city manager in the eighth largest city. I went on to build an expansion, a $216 million expansion of a major convention center that was top three in the world. I then became general manager of that convention center, and uh, by the grace of my higher power, uh, when this job became available eight years ago, I competed for it and uh, earned the right to be called president and CEO. So that's my journey. Uh, congratulations. Wonderful. Thank, thank you. Mm-hmm. So what is NHA doing to commemorate and celebrate this historic and, and uh, really monumental accomplishment? Well, we're doing a lot of fun stuff. You know, I, I just love talking about our centennial um, uh, it, it's one that we've, we've put a lot of thought into, a lot of planning into, and essentially um, we started um, January 1, 2014. We're going to celebrate through December 31st, 2014. Uh, we'll have a 12-month uh, birthday party, if you will. Uh, we have five major events that we have on our calendar, uh, two of which we've already completed. It was a kickoff celebration 
And then we had a celebrity chef's table where uh, some celebrity chefs from the local area came in and did a cook-off, and um, we had 11 restaurants uh, demo their product. Uh, Had about 400 folks on a flow come through there. Um, We have a celebrity uh, golf tournament, uh, which is going to happen July 25th. Uh, Please come out and join us if you're listening. Uh, We need golfers. And then we have a day of service scheduled for September 27th where we're going to honor those agencies that have been of service in the San Diego area for quite some time. And then uh, we're going to culminate everything on November 8th. Uh, 2014 with a black tie gala at the San Diego Convention Center. And we need all of you all support out there uh, to help us celebrate this uh, centennial anniversary. So, Rudy, if someone wanted to learn more about the celebration, is there a place that they could go to gather information? Absolutely. Number one, they can call our offices, 858-715-2642 and ask for a woman by the name of Wendy McKinney, who's our development director, or they can drive to our website, neighborhoodhouse.org, and uh, it will prompt you once you get to our website uh, to look up our 100-year anniversary and to get involved. Mm-hmm. Great. So I know you've talked a little bit about this. I'm going to ask you to maybe share if there's more. Um, being at the helm of this organization as we're kind of moving uh, through your, um, you know, you've shared a little bit about the assessment, you shared a little bit about what you think might be on the horizon. Anything else in your vision for the organization? You know, what do you see really on the horizon and what are you positioning the organization for, kind of giving what you see as ongoing needs in the community? Well, uh, again, that's a great question, Doc. And I think, you know, um, one thing that the listeners have to understand about, you know, managing a large, complex organization is that it's fluid, right? So one thing that's important today, tomorrow may not necessarily be on the front burner. It's, it's like cooking, right? So you may have four eyes on a stove or six eyes if you really have a big stove. And, you know, my, my mother always taught me, the, the thing that you need to pay the most attention to when you're cooking should be on the front eye of the stove, right? You want it right there so you can deal with it. Some of the stuff that you um, are kind of in the middle of or almost complete uh, with, you can put on the back part of the stove. And so it's a constant juggling act when you assess your organization. Um, one year, it can be raising revenue for ongoing viability, which is our primary focus right now uh, in our 100-year anniversary. The and you next know what, year, Mr. Johnson, I'm going to put a, com- a, put a comma right there, just a quick break, sure. but I don't want you to lose sure. that thought. When we come back, we're going to hear the not. rest of that, and we're going to also hear yeah. you talk a little bit more about, you know, what is it like, what has the journey been like just from the eyes of your being as an executive of color. So please stay with us. We'll be right back to hear more from Mr. Rudolph Johnson, President and CEO of the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Today we're talking about sustaining a nonprofit organization, leading the way through the lens of an executive of color. Before we went to break, Mr. Rudolph Johnson, who is the president and CEO of the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, you were sharing a little bit about you know, what's on the horizon. I want to give an opportunity to just kind of continue that conversation. Right. You know, um... I was describing an analogy of um, a chef cooking in the kitchen, and um, I was just completing my statement about uh, building resources and how that's our focus now during our 100-year anniversary. However, there are three primary uh, areas outside of building resources that I think a CEO has to work on. The other um, would be infrastructure and making sure that as you're growing, as you're developing, as you're taking on more program. Um, that you have the infrastructure that keeps you lean and mean and efficient because if you don't have the infrastructure, adding more to a broken infrastructure is going to create more risk and liability for you. The third piece would be board development, as you know, is important because the CEO works for the board of directors and he or she should be a major part of creating that policy body, working with the chair of the board. So I spend a lot of time with our board there and making sure we have the gender mix, the diversity in terms of skill set, um, and um, the discipline 
uh, the various disciplines or areas of discipline that we need to round out our board. Can you hear me? I can. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, all of those are important as you're putting together your policy body. Um, and then I would say the last thing is that every good CEO should be on top of what the regulatory requirements are for every single program he or she runs because at the end of the day, um, he or she is held responsible for ensuring that those regulatory requirements are met. And you can't, you know, pawn that off on someone. You as the president and CEO have to answer for that. Okay, great. So I think we've gotten some real great seeds to really look at if we're putting a checklist together. You've um, challenged us with regards to really thinking about how do we build and keep resources and grow them and make sure that the infrastructure stays sufficient, uh, that you're cultivating and putting together and being responsive to the board uh, with regards to board development, and then on top of regulating our regulations and what are the regulating bodies that are funding the programs or that are responsible for ensuring that things happen correctly in those programs, you know, what are some of the things we need to respond to relative to um, the regulations Additionally, I'm sure there are other things that you may be positioning your organization to do in order to really meet some of the things that you see on the horizon. Can you say a little bit more about what else might be some of the preparation if someone's looking at, you know, how do they position their organization and get their organization ready so that they're positioned to meet the needs of the community, not only today, but for generations to come? As you look to the horizon, what do you do? Well, I think I'll ah, looks like we're already at a break. My goodness! Okay, so we're gonna... all right. Just getting <laughs> that, good. We did. Good so <laughs> we're gonna just pause here. But when we come back, I'm just gonna throw it right back to you, just to kind of talk about that next level preparation. How do you prepare for what's coming down the pipe? Please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters: Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with Leadership Matters. Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Rudolph Johnson, the third President and CEO of the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, is with us today. Again, Mr. Johnson, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me, Doc. Appreciate yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Before we went to break, you were just about to share with regards to some of the things that you're doing to prepare for what you see on the horizon. Um, one of the probably most um, precious ingredients to a successful operation um, are your human resources, um, both, you know, uh, staff that are in the field on the direct line in terms of delivering services, and then what I call your back-of-house support, which are all of the employees that kind of guide and, and, and support in the field. Um, oh, sounds like we've, so, we've got that volume challenge coming back. Yeah, you hear? Do you hear me now? I hear you a little better now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so my point is um, that, for the most part, um, what is crucial for any organization is ensuring you have uh, the right pieces, the right players, the right um, team members in in place as you're. Um, you know, delivering your services and running your operation. So I've spent a lot of time um, both on the front line um, and back of house to ensure we had the most knowledgeable, the most uh, functional, and probably um, some of the best talent in San Diego. And we went out of our way to attract that talent, you know. And if the CEO will will focus on that, he or she will make their life much easier because great talent um, in the field and in the back of house. And the, and the final point on that is you want to start to build what we call an in-house bench strength, which means if for some reason through attrition you start to lose team members, you can backfill them with individuals that are mid-level managers, individuals that are kind of growing and developing underneath some of your senior leaders. And we spent a lot of time in that area. Mm-hmm. Good. No, great. I couldn't agree with you more with regards to just the importance of having a skilled and competent uh, workforce. Um, and kudos to you for just having the vision of making sure that you have that great bench strength. Well, it, it, me again, you know, I, I have good people like some lady called um, 
someone that we call Dr. Cheryl G. I don't know if you all have heard of that lady. Um, but um, Dr. G, you know, and everything that you do, and um, many of your listeners only know you through this radio show. I know your work on the ground. You're an outstanding executive in your own right. Um, but we have, you know, seven other of your executive team uh, members, um, colleagues that serve in their respective capacities that um, are equally as talented and mm-hmm. equally as compassionate and equally as focused as you are in their respective areas. So I'm fortunate uh, to have such a good a good team. Good, and we're fortunate to have a good leader. So I think it's uh, it's, it's working well. I think for us and the organization and community we serve. So that's fabulous. You know, I want to switch gears and just talk a little bit about just where we are at this time in history. I think at this time in the United States, we have a president who um, is African-American, and, of course, that's the first for us as a nation that we celebrate. And while some celebrate this fact, others um, wonder if this fact has impeded um, the extent to which he has been treated uh, with maybe due respect and support in his presidency. Yeah, I'm wondering from your own lens and experience, what is it like to manage at this place and time as an executive of color? Well, you know, that that's a big, loaded question. And here's what I'll say, Doc. You know, let me go back to the President of the United States. I don't care what color you are, what gender you are, um, what your religious beliefs are, you take on the title of President of the United States of America, you have to do all the duties associated being President. And, you know, sometimes we talk about this President, um, although he is the first African-American male to serve as President of the United States, one thing I think we all miss is that he still has to serve as Commander-in-Chief and President of the United States. So it's not like he gets a pass and he has to underperform or not do certain duties just because he's the first African-American president. And so the first thing I like to say to people is he's the president of the United States that happens to be an African-American male. You hear the difference there? And so Mm -hmm. now bringing that to me and closer to home, um, I'm the president and CEO of the third largest nonprofit in San Diego. Um, I just happen to be an African-American male as well. And I think sometimes when I walk into the room, um, individuals see my outward appearance and say, he's an African-American president and CEO or, or a person of color who's a uh, president and CEO of the third largest organization, and they get lost in the fact that you know what? He still has to do everything that a president and CEO of one of the largest nonprofits in San Diego would have to do, like understand zero-based budgeting, like getting clean audits, like meeting all the regulatory issues for all 12 of his programs, like building a you know very diverse board of directors, like you know bringing first-class talent to the organization, like running um, his organization with excellence and delivering excellent services, 
um, you don't get a pass just because you're an executive of color, and I think that sometimes get lost in the conversation. Okay. Whereas some may wonder, you know, if that executive of color gets a pass, others may wonder if they actually get additional obstacles. Um, just your thoughts? You know, I, I think, and, and, and I really want to be focused on what I say because I want to, I don't want a pity party just because I happen to be a person of color who's um, presidency. You know, I never want a pity party, but I want everyone to understand it's been no crystal stare either. Um, but I think it makes me stronger as an executive um, when I walk into the room and I am, um, you know, probably not the first choice. If you were a betting on who in the group was the president and CEO, there are a lot of times when I walk in with some of my team members that I probably am not the one that they select as being the president and CEO until I say who I am and what my title is. So I, I get that a lot. I get um, the fact that my outward appearance is the first thing that hits the room until I can prove to them um, that I am very capable and very knowledgeable of running this organization and making uh, president CEO type decisions. So I think, you know, that, that is the inherent obstacle that I've had to face the majority of my career is that when you walk into the room, mentally people aren't ready for you to be the president and CEO. And then you have to work from there uh, to get to an equal playing field. And then once you get to that equal playing field, then you do everything that a president and CEO still is going to have to do. Um, so sometimes that can be a little frustrating and challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's wonder, uh, you know, I'd have to wonder when you say, until I can prove, and I wonder um, to what extent others feel like they have to prove that they can actually do it, or do they just show up and, and do? Do you think that's kind well, of a- no, no, that's a great question, and I tell you, I'm I'm always of the opinion that I'm showing up and doing because mm-hmm. I believe I'm the presidency. I don't have a problem waking up and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, yeah, you're the presidency of the Neighborhood House Association because that is what I own, that's what I live, that's who I am. When I say prove, sometimes you uh, maybe I should have said demonstrate, you know, um, I'm not really proving to anyone anything other than my board of directors. Mm-hmm. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I should have said demonstrate. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so when you demonstrate the depth and breadth, let's go back to that, the depth and breadth of skill set and knowledge that you have, usually I leave them in a much better mindset than when I found them coming through the door. So when I'm leaving... There's a lot of laughing. There's a lot of patting on the back. There's a lot of, hey, we want to see you again. We want to be part of what you're doing. We like your energy versus when I walk in the room and they're trying to figure out which one of you five individuals are the actual president and CEO. Um, So that's usually been my experience for the most part. Okay, very good. And I would wonder, um, any other obstacles or any other maybe cornerstones of success that you might add to this conversation? 
Well, you know, there, there, there are so many what I would call hidden obstacles, Doc, um, that, you know, aren't really talked about. Um, yet at the same time, um, they, they, there are small things that are hidden, you know, that you can't put a finger on. You really can't um, out loud, but you know something's different. They're treating you as a little different. It's almost like the President of the United States. I mean, no one's ever come straight out and say, said to him, the reason why you're having such a tough time is because you happen to be our first president of color. Um, but everyone in America is looking like, why is he having so much trouble pushing his agenda through? You know, mm-hmm. um, he's not having the same challenges as any ordinary president would have, and they're not all just um, political in terms of his party affiliation. Um, I'm sure he scratches his head about, and I have some of those days when I scratch my head as well, but I don't let that deter me from my mission, my focus, my vision for this organization. I just scratch my head. Now, the, the... there's another side of the fence as well. You know, it's, it's not all on, um, you know, a person of color walking into a room and being viewed differently. Sometimes a person of color can walk into a room with folks that looks like uh, he or she does, and um, it, it can be just as challenging sometimes as well because, um, you know, oftentimes um, there may be folks in that room that um, may have some issues with you being, um, you know, the visionary, the leader that you are, and you have to kind of calm them down as well. So I think it cuts both ways, and I think that's why it's so challenging uh, managing an environment when you are a person of color in a leadership position. Um, that That is very unique to um, us executives of color, in my opinion. Okay. Anything that you might be able to point to or just maybe share your thoughts on relative to cornerstones of success, those things that you think are pillars that really kind of help lead to greater effectiveness and more positive outcomes? Number one, just be yourself and manage like you would um, any other you know, organization or situation. That's number one. Um, just because you're, you're um, uh, a person of color, a position, you have to um, stretch in an area that you're not comfortable uh, overmanage something. Just be who you are and let your talent show. So that's number one. Number two, I would say be cognizant of the environment in which you're managing. In other words... Um, you know, don't, don't fool yourself into thinking uh, the fact that you're a person of color in a leadership position um, that you can, um, you know, just kind of what I call whistle past the graveyard. You're not going to have any issues whatsoever. I think you have to be cognizant of the fact that there may be issues that you deal with them on a one-off situation. I think the third thing is, you know, you, you you still have to satisfy the mission of the organization or the bottom line of the of the business that you're running. Just because you're a person of color, the bull, 
that the policy body is not going to give you a free pass and they're not going to give you sympathy, they're still going to hold you accountable for everything that a normal president and CEO would be held accountable for. And then the thing I would say is take pride in what you're doing. Um, you know, I understand I'm in a, a leadership position and, um, you know, there's legacy that comes with that. If I do a great job, uh, individuals will um, say to themselves, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're black, white, purple, or green. If you can manage, you can manage. And so that's kind of how I attack my job. And I believe that's how the President of the United States attacks his job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not caught up on the fact that he's an African-American president. He's trying to be the best president he can be and let the rest take care of itself. All right. Very good. Well, appreciate your sharing uh, from that perspective. Love to hear more. Got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. If you've ever wanted to know the inner workings of how auctions work, you'll want to tune in to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. Auctions establish markets and commerce that affect everyone in our country. Whether it's land, real estate, livestock, automobiles, collectibles, or household goods, people are turning auction items into cash in nearly every business market in the world. You can find out more about this unique and engaging industry every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovisions.org. 
Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Mr. Johnson, I know before we went to break, you were kind of sharing some of the cornerstones to success um, as you've experienced them. I am wondering, you know, I know that transformation happens in the midst of relationships, and when we have positive relationships and support from those relationships, positive transformations can happen. And when we have um, perhaps not as much support, and uh, which could be equated to maybe having um, others that aren't as embracing, um, then maybe it can also create some challenges. So I'm just wondering from your space as a executive of color, what support might you say has been there and has been readily available, or has there been support that you think may not be as available? Just uh, just kind of wondering. Any thoughts well, related to that? Well, I tell you one thing. You know, my my board has been fantastic. You know, I've been blessed to serve this agency for eight years. And every one of those eight years, I've had a very supportive board of directors, and I think that's where it starts. Um, I think you know our staff has been supportive uh, for the most part of of the initiatives that I tried to launch. Uh, in this organization, and I think that's always a good sign. Um, I think sometimes, you know, there's some external um, pressures that make it a little more challenging. I won't say that's negative, um, but you, you just have to deal with some of those external pressures as they come, push through them, and, um, and, and don't lose sight of the focus and the mission and the goals that you have as a president and CEO. Mm-hmm. So really being able to look beyond the circumstances to that vision. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, one of the lessons that we learned um, recently, if I may, uh, is this whole organization, uh, this whole issue with the uh, Los Angeles Clippers organization. I think um, two or three day- days ago, um, if you had asked players or uh, some of the members of the uh, NBA um, what was going to come of this issue? They were ready to, you know, do do whatever they needed to do to demonstrate that all men and women are created equal. And um, lo and behold, the commissioner comes out and you know hands down a ruling that really just took the legs out of that whole issue because there's no higher authority than the commissioner of basketball. And when he delivered his decision. You know, everyone else just kind of relaxed and did what what came natural to them, and and I think that's what happens sometimes. We get geared up, we're ready for a big fight or a big hassle, and, and you know, some divine intervention happens, and um, back to normal. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been my experience. Mhm. Wonderful. So you know, I know that um, you've talked a lot about the expectations that. Um, you have to fulfill as an executive are like the exec- the expectations that other executives have to uh, experience or, f- or they have to fulfill. So when we think in general, you know, just being an executive and being, you know, say part of that circle of executives of, you know, all, um, you know, be it a woman executive, a male executive, a executive of color or, or not of color, you know, are there any tips that you would give to other executives in general? 
Yeah, absolutely. Number one, um, before you accept a job, I think during the interview process is an opportunity for you to interview the company, to interview um, your board, to interview the environment in which you're going to be managing within, and take full advantage of that process because on the front end of that process, you have most leverage. And if that situation doesn't feel right for you, or it doesn't look right for you, or you don't think your your ability to transition that organization is there, um, then I advise you not to take that job. Oftentimes, you know, we, we think about it after the fact, after the offer's been made and we accept. But I would say, um, you know, uh, when if I get another opportunity to, to do this again, and, and I'm sure in my... Uh, short tenure, I probably will have another opportunity to do this again. Uh, the, the lesson that I've learned is that I will do more uh, soul-searching, more vetting uh, on the front end of the hiring process. Mm-hmm. Okay, great advice. Any additional tips that you'd ask, that you would add, and in, in particularly uh, that might be um, perhaps even more relevant for executives of color? I think, um, you know, for executives of color, um, one of the tips that I would advise um, would be, you know, don't be afraid to ask for professional assistance. Um, You know, coaching is something that we typically um, aren't amenable to, we're not open to, because we feel like, you know, if if you're an executive and and you have coaching um, you know, consultation, somehow you're less than or you're deficient in an area. I think there are, you know, I, I want to use your term, Doc, there's cultural competent coaching, if you will. Um, and what I mean by cultural competent coaching, that means uh, there are coaches that can work better with other coaches um, or, or other executives that are of color because they understand special issues, circumstances, and situations that he or she may go through. And and I think we have to be reaching out uh, to some of those coaches in particular. Mm-hmm. So some of the nuances that otherwise maybe go undetected, you're thinking maybe one may be more sensitive to it if they uh, might uh, be from the same identity group, so might one might say. Yeah, and I and I would say nuances that are above and beyond the normal requirements of the job. I mean, everyone should know how to budget. Everyone should know how to build systems. I mean, so if someone is asking you to do that, you know, that that's not a nuance of being a person of color who's an executive. But, you know, if you're getting some external pressures from, you know, other outside influences that you suspect are because you may be an executive of color, there may be another individual that has some of those issues and how does that happen? So um, I think you also on that. Okay. So as we kind of begin to wind down our conversation and we kind of think back over the many... Um, 
say, facets that we've gone through in, the, in our conversation. Are there any threads, uh, anything that you would want to further emphasize or end on with regards to, you know, if there's a, a point you think you, you feel like you've made or a point you want to underscore, what would you want to leave this listening audience with? Well, I think I want to leave the audience with the fact that it doesn't matter if you're fat, white, purple, or green, male or female, if you can manage, you can manage. Um, and I think there are times that we get hung up on, um, society gets hung up on um, our differences in terms of how we look, um, and we don't focus in on our uh, God-given skill sets. And I think um, the thread that I was trying to weave together today was that, you know, there are a couple things that make you a great executive. Number one, um, you know, bring bear the, the, the skill sets that you've sharpened and developed. And number two, um, knowing that your path um, and your rise to being um, an executive is not going to, to be without challenges, um, you know, uh, as, as the poem says, life for me ain't been no crystal stair and don't expect it to be a crystal stair. And I think um, if there are two things I wanted to leave with the audience, it would be those two. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, Mr. Johnson, we so appreciate your taking the time to join us today and to say, um, just speak with us on this topic of really being able to focus on sustainability, you know, what are you doing currently, what can others do to ensure that they are positioned to meet the needs of the community, not only today, but for generations to come. Congratulations again to the Neighborhood House Association and to you for being at the helm of this organization as it moves through and celebrates its centennial. So uh, thank you also to our listening audience. For tuning in, please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G., Jenny Frumer, John Janetta, and Linda Schub is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.